Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley and we're here to talk all things leadership. And we're back here uh, for the second part of our two-parter about law enforcement leadership with Chief Carrie Ann Thomas, the Public Safety Chief in the City of Kalamazoo and retired Assistant Director Sylvester Jones of the U.S. Marshal Service. I want to ask the question, I want to move it towards solutions. And you know, we've, we've talked a lot about what the issues are and how complex it is, uh, Carrie Ann, but uh, what can we be doing as leaders in law enforcement communities, as the, the two of you are and have been, to start redressing this balance, to fixing the problem? Well, number one, there has to be a true, true willingness, right? It has to be on both sides. And, and you know, I'm just speaking within my community, but I think in law enforcement in general is realizing that's a problem and being able to have those tough conversations about what the true problems are and the willingness on both sides to move forward and not have the expectation that after one or two conversations, conversations that it's going to be okay. This is a long and twisty road and it has to be traveled together. Um, in order to make it better, law enforcement has to understand the perceptions and has to be willing um, to, to listen and, and, and make changes when necessary. And it has to be a two-way dialogue of where the perceptions of law enforcement are. Um, you know, I know that it helps agencies that are look like their communities and trying to uh, hire officers who um, are diverse, so local and diverse is one of our hiring goals. Um, and it is a struggle. It is a struggle all the time. And then when you fail to meet goals of, of trying to hire officers that look like your com community, it sometimes seems intentional. But it also comes on this healing path of of making this profession um, attractive to everyone. And, and it's not attractive to everyone. So Sylvester, what can we do to make it attractive for people of color to join law enforcement? Uh, well, again, I think that if, if the, the police profession, you know, would have to work, work on uh, building, I think, trust with the, um, I mean, uh, I've, you know, I've, I've always tried to be a fair person in recruiting. Uh, I, I believe in, I believe that we're better if we're diverse, have different um, opinions and, and, you know, and, and we can learn from each other. And, and uh, that, that shapes, our, that helps to shape our values. Of course, we have values that helps to shape them. Um, but, um, and then, you know, Chief Thomas is right. I think that in some cases that, um, uh, you can try and, and recruit uh, a more di 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 diverse uh, uh, office or, or, you know, have a more diverse de department, but th there are some struggles because, um, you know, some folks are not interested um, in, in doing that kind of work. Um, and uh, but what I do find is that I've seen as a problem, even with my former agency, the, the U.S. Marshal Service, there are some people within the ranks and who may work in HR and other that that actually uh, find reasons to not hire uh, a people of color. I've, I've seen it a, a number of times, you know, um, 
uh, you know, I'll give you one, one, one example. When I was a supervisor stationed in Puerto Rico, I came back home to Chicago for some training. The training, um, I met a, a, a guy who was working for Bureau of Prisons, African-American fellow. So we're on a break outside, and he was like, you know, you know, because we had to make our um, introduction. So he saw I was the marshal service. So he said, man, it's hard to get in the marshal service. And I said, uh, well, what you mean? I said, I said, I told him, you know, I think it is hard. But I said, what do you say? He said, well, I scored 100. And I ain't heard nothing. So I said, you scored 100. And I'm like, because I only scored a 73. So I said, give me your information. So I took his information. And um, I, when I, I said, when I get back, I'm going to call somebody in HR, which I did. Make a long story short, I called, talked to somebody in HR. They said, they looked at the system. They said, yep, he had 100. Yep, he was deleted. I said, well, how did that happen? Who deleted him? Well, we don't know. Uh, they, but they said, but well, I tell you what. If you find a marshal to take him, uh, he'll be in the next class. So I had a network of marshals that I used to talk to. I sent all of them an email. One jumped on right away and said, I'll take him. And he was in the next class. I found another similar case like that um, that I had to help with. So uh, we, I think that part of the solution is we have to have at the command staff and, and all the way down people who are fair and want to do the right thing for all the people. Well, that's a great segue to my next question. <laughs> and I, the, you keep lobbing them nicely back into the Kalamazoo uh, office there. But, um, it's about accountability, because what you're talking about here is how do we hold people accountable for doing the right thing? And how do we do it internally to the police department as well? Uh, and what you see is things like George Floyd, who uh, the guy had a history of being uh, of issues, and people weren't raising him up and saying this guy needs to go or they weren't able to get get rid of him carry on what do we need to do to increase accountability within the department never mind externally well and i think that you know that's it's that's an overall topic and i think it's department by department be and it's chief by chief right so i i mean all my officers know um yeah i'm pretty strict right and toe on the line and accountability and, you know, that military background and setting very clear expectations and having the consistency to follow through. There are hurdles to discipline. There are hurdles to termination. But at the end of the day, to have a healthy organization, you have to have, you have to do the tough calls and you have to make the tough calls and you have to create that culture of accountability. So having the best policies and procedures are great, but if you don't have the best policies and procedures and then hold people accountable to those, irregardless of their rank, irregardless of, you know, it's the most important policy or it just seems like a minimal policy, um, you can't do that. And uh, I'm very fortunate because I have great relationships with both my unions because I'm very consistent. They know where I stand on issues and people know what to expect um, when, uh, you know, they have those bumps in the road and some of them, you know, it's a giant pothole they never get out of, but that's the culture and having that good leadership at, on the top to create that environment. And then having policies and procedures and following through on those, um, you know, we're in the middle of accreditation, hopefully we'll be in an accredited agency soon, which forces us to follow national best practices, forces us to keep our policies up to date. But that doesn't help if you don't have someone who actually follows those policies and holds those officers accountable. And it's easier for some chiefs to do than others. You know, you see that um, 
I've been, I've been at this agency 27 years, and it's hard for me to sit across from the table and discipline officers I either hired with or basically grew up with. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I have to be responsible enough to do the hard thing for the 250 other men and women who didn't do anything wrong. And I think I, I'm, I'm going to switch it back now because it will be mildly awkward to ask uh, Carrie Ann my next question because she's real time working. But uh, Sylvester, if that's the macro level. At the more micro level, that stereotypical 23 year old cop or the, the new deputy U.S. Marshal that comes out who's being mentored by somebody. When they see that somebody, the mentor, do something that feels mildly inappropriate or feels slightly wrong and they're in that neighborhood where it's amplified a little bit, what needs to be in place for that 23 year old to feel able and safe to raise that up and say this, I think this is an issue and for it not to come back to hurt them because they're breaching the brotherhood, if you like. Well, I, I think that as uh, Chief Thomas mentioned is it, it is if you have a, a department a chief and a command staff that is leading by example, setting a extern example of, uh, you know, like she said, if she, you know, being in the agency 27 years, you know, and, and having colleagues, now you're the boss, you know, and, uh, you know, because, um, I mean, we've all seen anybody who worked the streets probably seen colleagues do stuff they weren't supposed to do. Okay. So I, I think that, the one of the critical positions in any organization is the first line or frontline supervisor. Um, if, if you know, because that person is the one that's dealing with that 23 year older um, all the time on a day to day and uh, or if they're on a night shift, whatever. So that person is really key. So you want really good frontline people who become the frontline supervisors really need to be on their A game. They, they, they have to be um, you know, definitely a, accountable. You got to look at those people as future captains and, 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 and deputy chiefs and chiefs because of, um, you know, they are the ones that is, is going to be uh, setting an example, correcting the 23-year-old out there, letting the 23-year-old uh, person know what's uh, acceptable and what's not. So you, when we talk about um, George Floyd, I believe the senior guy, um, was kind of like in charge, uh, at least, you know, the other guys didn't want to bump that person uh, while he's kneeling and killing somebody, you know, which is unacceptable. Um, and, uh, and we don't know what those people were thinking about, but um, we know that they didn't do the right thing. They could have saved a lot of grief had they just got that officer off that man's neck. But um, frontline supervision is, is critical in my, in my mind, having the right supervisors out there who set the right example and they're consistent. Yeah, and the, my understanding of the George Floyd case was he was their trainer. The guy who was kneeling on the neck was a trainer for two of the other people. And yeah. so the intimidation factor of stepping up to your trainer, who's supposedly this more experienced officer is a challenge. Carrie Ann, I know that the other thing that you kind of mentioned, you have good relationships with the union. But one of the challenges of the structure of law enforcement in this country is as the chief, you pretty much get to appoint uh, your deputy and that's about it. Everybody else has to come within the ranks. So what's the challenge to, you know, to what Sylvester's saying, which is the frontline supervisors are essential, but your next lieutenant can only come from your sergeant's ranks. So you mm -hmm. have to hope that the previous chief did a good job. Well, 
you're exactly right, right? Because how that structure works, but, and you don't change overnight, but you start on that boots on the ground first day in instilling your organizational's, your organization's culture, right? That having those conversations that you're going to run into people that are going to be of higher rank or of equal rank, but higher peer position, I like to call it, that are going to put you in situations that are unacceptable and possibly illegal and that the administration and those above will stand behind you when you have to make that tough call. I mean, you just have to consistently down the rates in, in secession planning is we all know that there's times that people over the years have gotten promoted and weren't really ready to be promoted. Well, once they're there, it's now our responsibility to get them ready and make them succeed. So if you have officers and supervisors and commanders that are not succeeding, then that's my job and my staff's job to make them successful. So why aren't they successful? Should they be in this profession? Do they need training? You know, and it, and it just comes back to of having clear direction in your organization and following through on that. And, and so that idea of uh, it has to come from the top and it takes time. Because, um, you know, if you've been in the position, was it three years that uh, you, you've changed some of your team and uh, you, you're moving some of that culture in, in the direction that you want it to be. And that's mm -hmm. going to take time to get those sergeants up to the lieutenant, to the captain, etc. So um, it comes back to where we started a little bit, doesn't it? This is a complex problem that can't be solved with an easy solution. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. This is a bowl of spaghetti. So, you know, also, uh, you know, some folks, um, and I'm, you know, I'm starting to believe it too, that uh, as a part of the, as a part of this, um, of the equation, for lack of a better word, that, uh, you know, just talked about the unions for a little bit and the power uh, of the unions. Some folks say unions have too much power. Can you still hear me? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Some folks say unions have too much power and that they, um, uh, you know, uh, fight for, um, uh, you know, cops that, you know, uh, uh, don't deserve to be, you know, to, to have them fight for them. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, that's an issue too. The, um, how they say that, um, uh, you know, that some unions have so much power that some chiefs, um, you know, can't really, uh, manage that. And, and so, um, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's something to look at. And I, you know, I, I believe in, in, in unions and uh, I was a member of the FOP. Actually, when I was a police officer, uh, when we started our lodge, I was our lodge president. It was lodge, FOP Lodge 199 uh, back in, uh, in, in Illinois. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but in my view, do I think unions have too much power, uh, especially police unions? I, I think they probably do. Um, are they needed? Of course. Um, and so, again, um, I think that, you know, the, the police chief should have the right uh, to make a decision um, to, um, you know, fire someone um, or at least put them on administrative leave without having to uh, battle a union for um, uh, how they are trying to you know, uh, you know, be accountable in their position and make their department accountable. 
So we've we've talked about mission drift. We've talked about the challenge of recruiting. We've talked about the challenge of de-escalating in a community that you're not familiar with. We've talked about the challenges of the union. This is the bowl of spaghetti that Carrie Ann's talking about that we're getting into. And we were never going to solve it in the 40 minutes we had together. So I appreciate your uh, engagement and willing to have this conversation. I know it needs to happen more. And uh, I'd love to hear more from both of you at some point. Maybe we'll come back in a few months and and have a a follow-up and see whether we've made any progress. But uh, first of all, Chief Carrie-Ann Thomas in Kalamazoo, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, David. And uh, Sylvester Jones, uh, thank you for being with us all the way from Maryland. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And yes, let, let me know if we can, uh, if you want to get together again in a couple months to see where we are. I'd love to, um, to, to visit with, with you all again. And uh, it's a pleasure to um, be on a panel with uh, Chief, Chief Carrie Ann Thomas. Well, thank maybe we'll have, we'll have to get you to Kalamazoo and you can come and uh, we can all go for a beer. So thank you very much. And thanks for being you. part of it. You've been listening to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley. And we're brought to you by the book, What Great Teams Do Great, available now at all good bookstores. Thanks to Brian Spencer and Finkel for the music. Please share any feedback and suggestions. I'm available through humanity.com. And uh, go to iTunes, like, subscribe, and leave us a review so that other people can find us. In the meantime, until next time we meet, stay healthy.